What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here with another special episode of Kicking Back. We're bringing you these all Olympics long. It is Saturday. Hope your weekend is off to a good start. And if you got up early, you were treated to plenty of goals this uh, round two of Olympic women's soccer group play because what a day we had. We had some wild games. We had plenty of goals. And this tournament, I think I saw the stat that right now it is close to five goals, over four goals per game on average in this tournament, which has been inflated by a couple of of outlier-type results, but we had some crazy draws today. And we'll talk about all of those. We'll talk about the U.S. Women's National Team, of course, getting back on track in in game number two uh, against New Zealand, run down the scores, and then go into the games individually. Uh, Again, special episode of Kicking Back. We're doing these after each day of play in the Olympics. A little bit of a break from our usual uh, guest-based interview. Uh, We'll get back to those post-Olympics, but bringing you these. Hope you enjoy them. Send us questions on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kasouf, J-E-F-F-K-A-S-S-O-U-F, or at Equalizer Soccer, and we'll check them out. We'll try to answer some questions for you, but results of the day started off early with Canada beating Chile, Three to one, and then we got the fun one. Four a.m. Eastern certainly kept you awake. China versus Zambia, four-four draw, um, which unfortunately really doesn't help either of them in the grand scheme of trying to get through as a third-place game, third-place team. Um, that's a bummer because I think Zambia in particular has been fun to watch. Barbara Banda, we can talk about her a little bit, but four-four draw there. Sweden defeats Australia 4-2. I think Sweden clearly um, looking like A, if not the team to beat right now. Obviously, silver medalist five years ago and uh, coming off that 3-0 victory over the U.S. and now a 4-2 win over Australia. Great Britain with a 1-0 win over Japan. Ellen White again. Japan in a little bit of trouble so far. Uh, Brazil with a 3-3 draw against the Netherlands. So Group F is more like Group WTF, uh, a 4-4 draw and a 3-3 draw in the Group F games on Saturday. And then last game of the day, which you actually, if you just wanted to watch this in the U.S., certainly on East Coast time, could have got up as kind of a normal day, which probably was nice for some of you, certainly not how my day looked, but uh, 6-1 to one for the United States over New Zealand. Could have been worse if not for the offside flag, uh, which Ruled the day four times a U.S. goal was called back for uh, an offside flag. Correctly so on all four all four occasions, we should say. Um, but just an indication of what could have been even, maybe even worse. Um, so let's start with that U.S. game, as many of you probably watched and are, are interested in. A little bit of a panic button hit from that U.S. loss to Sweden 3-0 on Wednesday. Rightly so in the sense of how it went, how it happened. I think you look at... Um, the result itself and say, you know, could Sweden beat the U.S.? Of course. I think you should be able, you should be acknowledging that coming into that game. But the way it happened, you know, start to finish, as we talked about on the previous pod we've written about on EqualizerSoccer.com, you know, really a poor performance, one of the worst performances we've seen from the U.S. at a major tournament in some time. Response to that obviously being key. I really, I said this before the game, there there are receipts for it at least. I don't think there was ever any question that this was going to be a doomsday scenario where the U.S. comes out and loses to or draws with New Zealand. And that wasn't the case. You know, 1-0 early from Rose Lavelle, a goal from Rose Lavelle, ninth minute, and then Lindsey Horan 
where I think you could have you could have said maybe all right going to this break one nil if you're New Zealand you feel good about that maybe you're leaving them in the game Lindsay Horan with the goal right before halftime which was a real backbreaker for New Zealand uh, an unfortunate one to give up on a set piece on a corner kick and then from there Alex Morgan uh, Kristen Press score off the bench and a pair of own goals in the second half um, which is unfortunate for New Zealand was able to listen to the the press conference post game head coach Tom Sermani and captain Ali Riley both echoing that they thought the performance was largely there for 80 minutes probably the bravest performance that New Zealand has put in against a U.S. team is what Ali Riley said and these two teams do meet quite frequently in major tournaments um, but you know really dropped off toward the tail end of that game at that late own goal I think was particularly harsh on New Zealand but you know, uh, if you're the U.S., it's the result you were looking for. I'm not so sure it was the performance necessarily that Vleko Anonofsky was looking for. Um, did submit a question. A few of us who are remote um, are kind of at the the mercy of uh, remote press conferences and, and getting in a queue, but um, didn't didn't quite get to see or or hear as much about uh, what Vleko Anonofsky thought about that performance at large. He was asked about it. I think he was. You know, generally, um, I don't know. I don't want to use the word happy. He didn't look happy post game. I mean, I, I don't expect him to be with the position that they're in from the opening match. But you know, if you look at this from a pure result perspective, it's what you needed for from the U.S. And based on the way um, that thrilling Zambia China game, actually, which I, I mentioned earlier, and we'll talk about later, but um, that result being a draw, actually, in Group F largely means probably means i don't want to write off zambia because they have been thrilling to watch um, they've been interesting maybe brazil rests some players in this final match day and something really funky happens but if you're in group e or group g the u.s is in group g that result in particular probably means that the third place teams are coming out of those two groups and not group f based on how things look you know um, chalk as we might call them if everything goes as expected so um, I think the biggest worry might actually be Japan making sure on one point right now that they get a result, they get a victory against Chile is a better way to put it. But um, if you're in Group G, if you're the U.S. and Australia, three points each, you know, somebody, I mean, there's at least, you know, if you both go to four points with a draw out of that third game, I think you're in, you, you are in good shape. Um, and if you go to, uh, even on three, I think if you can assume Zambia and China losing to Brazil and Netherlands respectively, you're probably good. So again, U.S. is not playing for third place. I think you could argue the third place game might be a better pathway in the knockout stage than second place out of Group G, getting the first place team out of Group F. But um, let's talk about focus on the game at hand for, for the U.S. against New Zealand on Saturday. Six goals, as mentioned. I thought Rose Lavelle was probably the best player on the pitch. She did not play the full full ninety. But if you look at this game, you look at the low block that Sweden was, or sorry, New Zealand was in, defending in a four four one one, pretty disciplined. Even had some opportunities here. I think if you're the U.S., we'll talk about the defensive side in a little bit. But um, pretty disciplined defensively. You look at Rose Lavelle in this game. This is the type of game that she's needed in. This is the type of game that uh, she's the type of player that was missing from that Sweden-U.S. quarterfinal in 2016. 
Jill Ellis, previous U.S. coach, spoke specifically quite often about the fact that she went out and tried to find players like Rose Lavelle based on that very result. And here was a perfect example of a low block, not as talented as Sweden, to be fair, but a low block that needed Rose Lavelle and that got her to unlock it. And I think she did so pretty well. She had the goal, but even beyond that goal, um, some of these goals that we talked about, you know, four four would-be goals correctly called back as offside and, and just that fraction of timing off. Rose Lavelle involved in a couple of those in the buildup and, you know, really a, a, I think was a top player for the U.S. against New Zealand. But, um, you know, beyond her, um, you know, I think you look at the the rotation of the roster, Flacco Nanofsky, five changes from the team that lost to Sweden in that starting 11. He got his alternates um, or his quasi-alternates in, Casey Kruger and and Katarina Macario coming into the match in the second half. You know, I think you, you look at getting some rest for some players. That back four, um, I tweeted this, you know, that back four is the same back four if you look at the summer send-off series, whatever that was called, that three-game series for the U.S., where they played three games in a week and mimicked an Olympic schedule. That's the back four that played that middle group game, that middle game of those three. And it's the back four that went for uh, this middle group game here uh, against New Zealand. It's Emily Sonnet on the right, Tierna Davidson, Abby Dahlkemper in the middle, and uh, Crystal Dunn on the left. So, you know, that gets you some rest for Kelly O'Hara, who has struggled with injury, certainly probably needed needed the rest. Becky Sauerbrunn gets a little bit of rest heading into the third and final group stage and the knockout stage. Um, so I, I think, you know, this game is about getting the result, period, and doing so with uh, while allowing some players some rest. Carly Lloyd started in the nine. Um, Megan Rapino started as one of the wingers. You know, interestingly, Julie Ertz and Tobin Heath starting and going a pretty good distance. Um, you know, neither of those players had played in quite some time ahead of the Olympics for Tobin Heath, a little bit of time in the, the two Mexico games, the friendlies before the Olympics. But, you know, Julie Ertz first minutes period in that Sweden game coming off the bench. And then she starts um, against New Zealand here. And, and, you know, if we're talking about players who had an influence, I mentioned Rose Lavelle, I think the other good shout for player of the match, Julie Ertz, uh, really did one of her, I would say, not to the fullest extent, and maybe that's a, a product of wearing that big knee brace still and, and recovering, but um, had kind of a mostly typical Julie Ertz is everywhere type of performance. Um, I've in the past kind of joked uh, her heat map is just one big red square for the U.S. on those days that she's really on, and she was pretty on in this one. I mean, you look at um, one of those those U.S. goals, uh, the press goal, and the service coming from Julie Ertz on just a long dribble up the right flank, and that's your holding midfielder. So um, really strong performance from her. I think that bodes well for the rest of the tournament. I, I think it probably goes without saying she's not fully healthy, but she played in such a way that we weren't really talking about um, her health and and whether she is 100% or not. So that's obviously a very good sign for her, for the U.S. They're going to need her. That was clear, I think, to some degree in the Sweden game. I don't think you you write off uh, that result to just 
missing Julie Ertz in the first half because two of those three goals came in the second half. But certainly that was one of many factors. And I would say lastly on this this U.S. performance um, as it relates to that Sweden game as well, but specific to New Zealand here, defensively there have been problems. Um, and I think to some degree unforeseen problems, um, unprecedented problems perhaps. You know, Abby Dahlkemper, I have said many times, as recently as a month ago or so, or so in this um, ongoing, sort of ongoing saga of, of what her future looks like on the club level and, and the potential transfer back to North Carolina Courage that, that hasn't happened yet or isn't going to happen, whatever it might be. Uh, one of the best center backs in the world. She has not been very good uh, for the U.S., in this tournament thus far through two games and played out in this New Zealand game with uh, a shanked clearance attempt, goes backwards um, and and eventually leads to the Betsy Hassett goal, the only goal for New Zealand in this one. But, you know, a, a series of errors, that being probably the glaring one that'll stick out on the highlight, but um, not the only ones. Um, there were, you know, again, New Zealand had some opportunities. Hannah Wilkinson playing as that lone striker could have potentially had New Zealand at 1-1 um, going into halftime or close to it at, at points in this game, uh, a header that glanced just wide of the far post in the first half, and again, missed marks on runners into the box. In the Sweden game, it was both runners into the box and set pieces. New Zealand game here, it was runners into the box, and, and Dahlkemper has been at fault on a few of those occasions, not the only one at fault. I think in the Sweden game, it was it was Dahlkemper, it was Sauerbrunn, it was Dunn, it was O'Hara, it was it was everybody. But um, this the error on this goal conceded against New Zealand, I think, probably uh, exacerbated the issue a little bit for her. And I'm not sure what exactly the problem is because we really haven't seen this from her. I think she's been a picture of consistency in major tournaments in at club and country levels. Um, but really concerning stuff, I think, if you're Vlako Nanovsky and, and really have to just figure out, um, it's not an issue of quality, obviously. So I think figuring out just what is it, where's the gap, uh, mindset-wise, confidence-wise, and, and getting that on track, uh, certainly against Australia. I think you you get that on track against Australia and you don't make a change there um, because I, I think you really, you're going to need her in the knockout stage and you want that sorted out before a quarterfinal. So um, I think that, you know, big picture defensively, I'm, I'm focusing on one player there, but, you know, defensively at large, we saw it against Sweden too. There are some problems with marking runners in the box and, and marking runners was the second part of that problem in the goal conceded against New Zealand. It was essentially a 1v3 at one point and somehow the ball gets dished off to a late runner in Betsy Hassett and uh, she's able to to score on a late run like that. So, um, you know, against Australia, I, I worry a little bit about that back line and, and how it's been playing and... You know, these are team. These are two teams that have played each other to, you know, I'm sure everybody remembers that 5-3 friendly, some really ridiculous games. So I don't know if we're in for a shootout on Tuesday or what, but, you know, a looming quarterfinal, I think we can somewhat safely assume against Brazil or the Netherlands. Vivian Miedema is has been very good in this, this tournament um, and obviously is very good, period. So, you know, if that's the case, um, or it's, you know, maybe it's Dabinia-Marta combination on the other side, Ludmilla, um, U.S. defense 
needs to really button down. And that obviously extends to in front of them, as we talked about against Sweden, the midfield was totally absent. But um, defensively, let's say as a unit. Um, and I think, you know, last point on the defensive side, we really haven't seen the U.S. press in the way that we are used to. I don't know if that is a conscious effort based on the conditions of this tournament, which are the obvious of short turnaround, but also the heat and humidity in in Japan. But didn't do it against Sweden, didn't do it against New Zealand, which, um, you know, I guess in some ways, obviously, New Zealand had dropped off and invited play, so it makes that press a little bit more difficult. But um, I'm curious to see what we see against Australia. Australia's back line equally is um, not the best. I've talked about that through the months and years, and, and it really hasn't improved from its its major issues of the past few years. So I think that's one you really have to go out, go at. And maybe that is, you know, we, we heard from broadcast that Lynn Williams has a slight slight issue that doesn't sound too major. She's the only player who hasn't made a game day roster at this point. Maybe that is bringing Lynn Williams in in some capacity. You know, maybe that is a Williams-Morgan press front line that that presses Australia's backs and puts them under. Um, but something's something's got to give there. And, you know, again, defensively, I think that back four... Um, Abby Dahlkemper as well, we talked about. I think the other part of that is her service, which has been denied mostly. That service is is the spark plug offensively for that front line, and we haven't seen it. So uh, lots to improve still, but obviously the result that was needed for the U.S., 6-1 to one over New Zealand, and sets up final day of group play against Australia, who uh, is level on points with them at three points each, but U.S. with a superior goal difference sits in second. So a draw would be enough to send the U.S. through as the second-place team in Group G. But um, obviously we'll keep an eye on that. Turn to equalizersoccer.com, subscribe there if you haven't already, and uh, we'll have plenty more analysis and insight. So uh, we'll take a quick break here on Kicking Back and talk about the other games where there were plenty of goals as well, some real thrillers, and how those set up for the final day of group play. I'll be right back on Kicking Back. Welcome back to Kicking Back. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf. Again, please rate, review, subscribe so you don't miss a thing on all these Kicking Back episodes. Plenty of breakdown of Olympic play right now, and typically we'll have uh, a guest weekly player, coach, personality in the space, uh, diving into their story and current events of women's soccer. So uh, go ahead and subscribe for that. And let's get into these other games. I'm, I'm recording this here as uh, NBCSN plays a partial replay of Netherlands versus Brazil, which I think is probably a good place to start. 3-3 in between the two Group F favorites here. Uh, Viv Miedema, as I said, two goals in this game. She's been hot in the Olympics. She's obviously a world-class player, one of the best out there. And she gets the Netherlands off to... A nice start. Brazil answered each time here and and relatively quickly. Uh, a third-minute goal for the Dutch. Dabinha answers 14 minutes later for Brazil. And then a bit of a, a lull there in scoring, but Miedema again in the 59th. Five minutes later, later it's Marta from the PK spot. And then uh, 68th minute, 
a bad giveaway. Actually, the replay on NBCSN is just about to come up on this sequence of the Marta Piquet and, and this uh, Ludmilla goal, which is a bad giveaway um, in the back from the Dutch, which, again, we talk about defensive problems. They gave up three to Zambia, all three to Barbara Banda, um, and then three to Brazil here. So they've conceded six in two games. Uh, the Netherlands, who is you know a gold medal contender, not the greatest uh, defensively from them either in this sense. So there, I don't know, there's something in the water maybe, as they say, is with all these goals in this tournament so far. But um, Lamilla puts Brazil ahead, and then Dominique Jensen uh, with just an incredible equalizer, 79th minute free kick from. Uh, Outside the 18, obviously outside the 18, but from some distance, upper 90, um, you know, really, really quite a strike, and it ends 3-3. So um, interested to see this. This will play out in goal difference as to who wins this group, which will be important for potentially who the U.S. plays. But um, you know, a fun game. I still think both of these teams are potential. Uh, gold medal contenders. I've said a lot. I like Brazil. I like the discipline that that Piasenhaga injects alongside the creativity of some of these Brazilian stars. Um, obviously, you know, defensively, three three here. Um, you know, I, I think maybe you chalk this up to two very good teams in a little bit of a funky game. I'm not sure that necessarily there's a huge problem here for either's uh, either of them, but. Um, you know, again, defensively, I think we'll, we'll need to see whoever can sort that out, I think, you know, might be the uh, the team to prevail ultimately in this, this tournament because the Olympics are about uh, managing the marathon, not the sprint of sorts, and getting through, you know, who's, who's healthy and who can manage the rest. But this particular Olympics seems to be about that plus, um, obviously, the COVID situation and, and making sure to manage that, but plus... Um, in addition to the third element, who can defend? Because thus far we have not seen uh, a lot of great defending. And sticking with Group F here, 4-4 draw between China and Zambia on Saturday. I mean, truly unbelievable. Barbara Banda, Zambia captain, another hat trick. She scored a hat trick against the Netherlands. She is the first player to score back-to-back hat tricks Uh, in the Olympics um, and in her first two Olympic Games. This is Zambia's first point ever at a major tournament, uh, a major international or a world championship tournament, I guess I should say. Um, And not to be outdone, Wang Xuan scores uh, four goals for China. So really individual efforts here in in this 4-4 draw, uh, back and forth stuff. And, you know, honestly, this was a fun game. I need to actually watch some of it on replay because the unfortunate Olympic schedule is uh, one where you're watching two and three games at a time sometimes and um, kind of admittedly had relegated this one a bit to the, the third screen, I think it was at that point. But um, as as the scoreline developed, had turned my attention to it because it was uh, quite exciting and, and more exciting than several of the games around it. So um, tune into it in full force attention a little bit late, but really um, fun stuff. And, you know, I think Barbara Banda, you know, again, Claire Watkins wrote about Barbara Banda's first hat trick of the tournament on EqualizerSoccer.com for subscribers. 
and um, just kind of who she is, what she can do. Special player, obviously. She was a top five transfer in terms of um, money paid in 2020 uh, to go to Shanghai from Lagrono in uh, in Spain. So, um, you know, obviously to some degree a known talent in that sense, but hasn't been at a, a world stage like this. And I don't know, maybe some maybe some other big clubs will be knocking on her door after this tournament. Um, you know, top five transfer. I know that I do know the money's pretty good in Shang in Shanghai and in the uh, Chinese Super League. Um, quite quite a bit better than even some of the quote unquote big leagues and some of the big salaries there. So uh, maybe she's happy there. But um, you know, it's been special to to watch her play. That's why I say don't totally write off Zambia against Brazil. I mean, who knows? It's been a little bit crazy already, but um, something something pretty fun to uh, to watch. And you know, maybe unfortunately we're only going to see three games from Zambia and particularly from Barbara Banda. But um, something tells me she's not done scoring yet. And she, even with exiting at the group stage, has something of a shot at at a Golden Boot. I'm not sure that it's going to happen because um, just the way that. The scoring has gone in this tournament and there are some others already level or right behind her and they will have more games in the knockout stage but um fun to watch and, and cool to watch uh from her um i suppose we should talk about the other game in group g which as i mentioned earlier sweden defeating australia four to two uh, australia tried to stay in this you know uh sam kerr with a pair of goals uh, just on either side of half time, and um, again, you know, uh, at one point, put put Australia in the lead. It only lasted four minutes, and uh, Fridolina Rolfo with two goals, one really spectacularly. So, um, Stina Blackstinius with another goal late that really sealed this as the fourth goal, and Lena Hertig with another goal she scored against the U.S. as well. So, um, four two for Sweden over Australia. And uh, Sweden, obviously going to win Group G, I think, at this point. And um, really, really cruising. I mean, you know, we're used to criticizing Sweden as a team that has talent, is pretty good defensively, and is disciplined, but um, not can't necessarily always put it all together. And particularly offensively has never been, hasn't been in some time anyway, the most exciting team. Um, they've been good going forward. They've looked good. They've been exciting going forward. They have talent going forward. So I think uh, really exciting stuff if you're a fan of Sweden. Probably some rest to come against New Zealand in this final group stage, and then we'll see how it plays out in the knockout stage. But uh, the reigning silver medalists, the reigning uh, third-place finishers uh, from the World Cup, you know, I think certainly well within the hunt here uh, for a gold medal and, and should be taken very seriously if you weren't already, which shame on you if you were not. Um, group E, uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, certainly compared to Group F, I mean, Group E is a little bit of the boring group at the moment in some ways, but Great Britain with a 1-0 win over Japan. Ellen White with her third goal of the tournament. She scored all three for Great Britain in the two games so far, and Great Britain leading this group, probably going to win the group as it stands and as it looks uh, potentially, I guess I shouldn't. I shouldn't assume that with um, a final match day against Canada is certainly going to be uh, a difficult enough matchup. But uh, 
Great Britain is through. That's that's for certain already. So um, Ellen White with the goals there. And Japan in a little bit of trouble. The hosts, we were curious to see how they would come out and how they would do in this tournament. Um, one point from two games. You know, you, you would expect them to take care of business, get a get a victory over Chile, and have the four points, which would be enough to go through, certainly. Um, should certainly be so. Um, at best, China or Zambia gets four points, and then we're talking about goal difference, but uh, goal difference is not in favor of either of those teams either. So um, three points would do it for Japan against Chile, at least as a third-place team, but um, struggling, certainly. Not really putting things together uh, as a holistic effort. I mean, we know that this is a team that's been developing, been on the younger side, trying to figure things out, but um, we're yet to really see a, a cohesive performance from Japan. I don't know that's surprising, but it is concerning. You know, if you're the hosts, I think big ambitions for this one, and they really had built up um, the 2020 Olympics even more so, I think, than the 2019 World Cup as they prepared for both. So, um, We'll have to see how that plays out for them. And then in Group E, Canada with the 2-1 victory over Chile. They almost blew this game. I mean, they blew that. They should have had six, three points against Japan in the opener, and they, they allowed a late equalizer. And then Canada leading 2-0 over Chile. Chile uh, with hitting the, hitting the post, hitting the woodwork, sorry, the crossbar, uh, late in this match on a would-be equalizer. Had to scare Canada a little bit. Uh, Janine Becky, she misses a PK early at nil-nil, and then she scores on either side of halftime um, and takes care of business for for Canada. So um, 10 minutes after that, Karen Araya with, with a uh, a goal for Chile that, that kept things close enough, and obviously the woodwork there, almost an equalizer, but uh, Chile obviously in a bit of a, a learning phase. Um, and and like Zambia, you know, have not had quite enough preparation, probably, uh, or as much as they would like, certainly not as much as some of the teams in this tournament. So um, Zambia coach uh, Bruce Mwape touched, touched on that post game on Saturday. But, um, you know, Canada with a two to one victory uh, over Chile. And I think, you know, Canada and Great Britain, they meet in that final game, both in decent enough position. Uh, to be going through at a minimum, and we'll see exactly how they go through in this one in Group E. So that's it for our roundup on Kicking Back, uh, brought to you by the Equalizer and part of Blue Wire Pods. Um, that is Saturday's action, which is match day two in group play of women's soccer. We're back on Tuesday, early morning, another early start, obviously. Uh, slightly half hour later than than they have been so far, 4 a.m. But guess what? That's the U.S. Australia game. You got the late one on Saturday, folks. You got to sleep in. Tuesday it's the 4 a.m. Eastern game, first game of the day for uh, USA Australia. And as a reminder, these are like the World Cup. These are the simultaneous matches. So it'll be USA Australia at four at the same time as New Zealand and uh, Sweden. And then you get a little bit of a break, and it's uh, Group E action kicking off at, what is is that time there? Uh, four, so that's seven, uh, seven locally, seven Eastern, um, which is, it's going to be busy at that point because then it's 7.30, Group F, simultaneous. So for a stretch there in the 7.30 to, 
really nine o'clock window. Wow, you're gonna have four games running simultaneously. So, uh, Godspeed to everybody on that one. Interested to see how things shake out. And uh, of course, we'll be back here afterward with another recap as we learn who's going through and what the matchups will be in the knockout stage. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, and this has been a special edition of Kicking Back, recapping Olympic women's soccer play.